0: Casting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 17th in the year of our Lord 2022. This is... Our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, and to do so in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the constitution of the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful, restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. We've been talking about this for literally days, weeks, months now, and sadly, it's not going to go away anytime soon. We are confident that given the opportunity, we will expose this election for the sham that it was. Kerry Lake gives a state statement on the election contest taking place. Arizona, sadly, has already certified the elections but the debate goes on. Supposedly you can't even challenge the elections until they cert- they're certified. And then once they're certified, they use that term against you saying, well, they're already certified, don't you know? And then they say things like this. Hey, uh, Carrie Lake challenges certified election. Well, of course she does because you can't challenge it before the, quote, election. I mean, it is a disaster, ladies and gentlemen, in the making, that's for sure. But Chris Carlson is with me to break it down. Welcome to the broadcast, sir.
2: Thank you, Sam. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson, reporting for duty, sir.
1: All right. The Epic Times probably has the most prolific reporting on the topic of election fraud. Arizona set to certify uh, the Lake Hobbs race, and here's three main takeaways, Patricia. Um, basically, from the Epic Times reports the details. This is an ongoing story because Carrie Lake has already sued, and they're already debating it until the cows come home. Chris?
2: Yeah. So the Arizona Republican candidate for governor, Carrie Lake, as you mentioned, Sam, says stay tuned as the Copper State is going to officially certify the controversial gubernatorial race between her and Katie Hobbs on Monday. Of course, this is uh, way back dated, but a lot of that has happened. I'm not exactly sure what the, quote, smoking gun, unquote, uh, was that she revealed. i uh, still kind of waiting for that. But there are some major electoral issues that she uh, issued a, a lawsuit against the Maricopa uh, County Board of Exalted Personages for, <laughs> I know that they would like to be addressed. It's actually the Board of Supervisors. And um, here are the charges, according to... Uh, Cary Lake's attorneys. So, in Maricopa County, there were 223 polling centers, as you know, Sam, and at least 118 locations experienced problems when the county's ballot printers produced ballots that were not dark enough for the county's vote tabulation machines to read. Okay, that's one of the charges. Additionally, uh, Cary Lake's uh, attorneys alleged that voting machines issues and long wait lines for in-person voting discriminated against people who chose to vote on election. I both know Sam are normally more the more conservative minded people who know that the mail-in ballot system is full of corruption and opportunities for fraud. So those are the two main concerns uh, as well as the tabulators uh, you know to the the county uh, board of supervisors um, claims they tested the printers and they got them to work but they never proved that the tabulators were tabulating the votes accurately and to this day there's no evidence to support that the votes were even being tabulated so we don't know who won the election after two weeks over two weeks of counting and it's it's it, it interesting to note sam that of all the elections that took extended periods of time, almost every one of those elections resulted in a Democrat win. Is that just a coincidence? Or is there something fishy going on with the fact that unlike Florida, by the way, who, who announced all of its winners of all of its uh, major candidates on election night, it took states like uh, Arizona literally weeks to determine the outcome. And in Georgia, of course, they had to have a runoff. And, but in, almost in every case, Sam, is it just a coincidence that in every case where it took extended periods of time to count the votes, the Democrats magically won? I find that highly suspicious.
1: Well, it's certainly highly suspicious. It's beyond that. The problem is that when they force you to certify elections – Why is there a time window between when you get the votes turned in and the certification process? If you're going to just certify no matter what anyway, if you're going to threaten arrest or violations of the law to those who say we need some time to look into this, we see concerns, problems, whatever you want to say, evidence of corruption, uh, you know, to force the election at that point is really literally criminal activity. Katie, I mean, um, Carrie in this case cannot even sue until after the certification takes place. That makes the lawsuit moot unless they're going to undo the certification that they have done. But to certify something when there's questions and or those issues haven't been ran to ground is criminal activity. And pretty much relates to the Brunson lawsuit by Lloyd Brunson and brothers, the Brunson brothers, basically saying, look, we've got to have a window where this stuff is actually looked into and investigated. And when they refuse to do so, they're guilty of dereliction of duty, to say the least, Chris.
2: Absolutely. And it doesn't matter. You know what results you get from those investigations. The fact is, there is sufficient evidence. I mean, there's there's a hue and cry on the part of a, a, a large, a significant number of the populists who warrant a congressional investigation. Um, you know, in, in Arizona, people, the majority. I believe the majority of people in Arizona are conservative, and there is a hue and cry. There is a lot of scuttlebutt. I know people from Arizona that I've talked to personally, Sam, who 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 talk about just the scuttlebutt about the the corruption the 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 sense that there's something not right in the election process in Arizona. uh, Congress refuses to address the issue. Um, There's some more evidence um, and and I know I didn't send you this information but I just and I just got it last night uh, from the World Affairs Brief that I think we need to investigate. If this is not a smoking gun Sam I don't know what it is. So uh Joel Skousen uh, naturally does uh, very deep research, and he's very much on top of uh, all of the uh, allegations of election fraud throughout the nation. And this one's a brand new one. Have you ever heard of campaign finance mule, Sam? Campaign finance. This, we, we talked about the 2000 mule. Well,
1: it, it's, where... it's basically the same thing, but it relates to dollars instead of ballots. Basically, it's manipulating yeah. money and transitioning money from place to place and basically t- taking the money into cash doing so because then you can inject it anywhere and unless you can trace where the cash came from there's really no paper trail to follow per se. Chris, and since the laws protect some of these groups, all you got to do is have the mules work between nonprofits and organizations with special privilege and voila, you've got plenty of money out of thin air. Oh, they print it out of thin air and now they mule it out of thin air right into campaigns, Chris.
2: Yeah, now and you're referring to political action committees and um, and other uh, subversive and discreet methods of getting money. Try this one on. I'm
1: referring to cash being taken out and inserted into the system along the way by mules, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, and this is a different one because, as you know, individuals can give no more than $2,800 per uh, candidate per election. Okay, that's been a fixed rule for I don't know how many years, as far as I can remember. But it's been discovered by an individual by the name of Chris Gleason, who is uh, an engineer. So he did a little research on who was giving money to the Raphael Warnock senatorial campaign uh, in the state of Georgia. And Raphael Warnock was able to raise an incredible sum of $52.2 million. And this Chris Gleason guy, uh, I'm not sure you know any – I don't know a whole lot about him, except he's an engineer. He decided to download uh, the records of all those people who donated individual contributions uh, to the Raphael Warnock campaign. And guess what he discovered? He discovered uh, through OpenSecrets.org, where you can get information on uh, donor contributions, and he sorted them according to name, address, employment, and to whom they were donating. And he discovered some shocking patterns, Sam. Individuals from all over the country, not just from the state of Georgia where Raphael Warnock was running, um, donated small amounts like $5, $10, $25 to Warnock's uh, campaign committee. But they were doing it five to 10 times per day. Now, already that's suspicious. Often accumulating to over five to six thousand dollars per donor and not only were they doing it five to ten times per day they were doing it periodically over a month month and a half period now that is highly suspicious and such donations accumulated now listen to this to over 24 million dollars with with those um, what Joel Skousen refers to as campaign finance meal contributions now, if that isn't a red flag, and if that, that that does not compel Congress to do some investigations, I don't know what does. That is clearly highly irregular. They're not interested.
1: They're not interested. They will Dang. do no well, investigations.
2: Yeah. Uh, Joel Skousen goes on to say, all of these top 30 individual donors made between 200 and 300 donations in the few months before the election. Um, Who do you know, he he asks, who do you know who donates five to ten times a day and every day for over a month? No one, unless you're being paid to do so, which makes them part of an illegal conspiracy. And I say amen. And thank you, Joel Skousen, for exposing that fraud.
1: And good for our buddy Joel for doing it, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman in seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live.
3: Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean, quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, One of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, It's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions, we're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services, I was shocked So to since hear that. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay. Abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They are the largest single abortion provider in our country.
0: Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like Maricopa County files in the Cary Lake lawsuit, and the filing basically calls to dismiss. There's a claim to dismiss. They say the reason, the legal arguments made by Laker said to be nonsense. Maricopa County's attorneys say the 7,254 pages or exhibits will add nothing of value for the court to consider, so dismiss it. Uh, Chris, can you believe that they're saying this kind of stuff? They don't really give any details, any of it. They're just saying, hey, we don't want you to consider any of this, so dismiss it, Chris. Yeah, it is not. They, they say,
2: quote, it is to make clear that the court will not condone litigants, ignoring the steps that Arizona has already taken towards the elections and furthering false narratives. They're claiming that Kerry Lake is furthering false narratives and that baselessly undermine public trust at a time of increasing disinformation about and distrust in the democratic process, unquote. Well, first of all, we don't have a democracy. So that's kind of a misnomer there. And I I will concede the point that voting is a democratic process, but there is tons of evidence and the hue and cry of the people from the state of Arizona. I know that the people, they just sense, even though they may not have access, you know, like you and I, because we do a little deeper research uh, to some of the evidence, but there's just, there's no way there was this red wave search. Everybody I know was, is disgusted. Even Democrats, With um, the the inflation that we're experiencing, the high gas prices, and basically the way we we withdrew from uh, Afghanistan, nobody's in favor of the Democratic establishment in Washington today. There is a hue and cry against Democratic politics. How is it that so many Democrats won so handily in so many states? That doesn't make sense. And I know that's just circumstantial evidence. But you know, I've just presented you other evidence that um, you know we we didn't you know, heretofore. But how do you have 118 um, machines in 223 polling centers in Maricopa County? They have 729 days to prepare for one day out of two years. Sam, they can't get those machines running like well-oiled machines in, in preparation for one day of voting.
1: Give me a break. Chris, they are well oil machines. They're working perfectly, sir. Yes. Yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and I don't mean that offensively. What I, what I mean to articulate is if your goal is fraud, they created a flawless state of confusion that the government will not let you challenge. Let me explain. We've gone to court after court after court after court, been turned down over and over and over and over. We've asked about the machines. We've asked about the 2000 Mules movie. We've now asked about... The Joel Scalsen mules uh, in terms of finances, little teeny bits over and over and over by multiple people multiple times a day, uh, putting money into campaigns. We've talked about the black money, the dark money. Uh, we've gone to the courts. We've gone to the president to try to do something about it. We've gone to the different legislative bodies. We've gone to the sheriffs. We've gone to everybody. And besides a couple of, uh, you know, small little wins here or there, the fact is We've even proven they're storing data on communist Chinese service. Nobody cares. Nothing's going to be done. America's corrupt, and there's no way to stop it anymore because the American people won't do anything about it. Okay? You try to surround the uh, courthouse in Maricopa County, and you'll literally just get the FBI to decide, hey, we're going to have to declare war on these crazy uh, domestic threat insurrectionists. See? We've proven that in January the 6th. We've proven that in Charlottesville. We've literally proven that everywhere. And that's... Where they're going and I don't mean to be negative about this except to say that's what we're seeing look the attorney literally says there's nothing to see here Carrie Lake filed 27 whatever it is 7,254 pages just nonsense okay it's all nonsense it won't add anything so instead of the judge reviewing it to determine if it adds anything uh, we're just gonna simply have the you know prosecution against Carrie because now she's being sued The prosecution just says, look, there's nothing to see here. Everything she says is absolute nonsense, frivolous, wasted time on the courts, dismiss. And likely that's going to happen just as they certify the election, despite all the problems by force. Chris?
2: Well, you know, to their credit, Sam, uh, U.S. District Court Judge John Tucci is doing something about it. But you know what he's doing? He's uh, issuing a motion for sanctions uh against Carrie lake (laughs) in other words he's charging her a fine for fining the uh, maricopa county board of supervisors i guess you can't file lawsuits without consequences i mean i know in in the past like malicious lawsuits there were penalties for that i guess now there's you know questioning the results of, of a completely corrupt and fraudulent election now is a malicious lawsuit so yeah they are doing something but it's not going in the right direction
1: well and they're making it harder for folks to even want to sue because you've got to when you think about suing now it doesn't matter the evidence you alert or put together you have to now ask yourselves are you ready to be sued and are you able to handle the you know the blowback when you get sued uh and so hey this is going to chill lawsuits on any of these topics Yep. To the point where nobody's going to sue. Chris, why would you dare take a chance of suing when you're likely to have to just pay dearly, no matter what the evidence is, right? Well, you wouldn't
2: be able to afford to, obviously. And John Tucci himself, and this is a quote to the point you just made, Sam. It is to send a message to those who might file similarly baseless suits in the future. Uh, End of quote. So, yeah, it's uh, you were in a bad situation, no question about it. <laughs> Not a whole lot of good news to report today.
1: Um, although there are a couple of very high- Well, and understand, I mean, look at this story in relation to this. Look at this story in relation to this, Chris. Feds in the shadows, leaked documents say that over 300 members of the Oath Keepers may be current or former Department of Homeland Security Employees, not clear how many are literally federal operatives. This is reported in the Gateway Pundit, right? Yes, they I know I, full I well know. what's going on. So, how many of these election fraudsters are? Hey, how many of the people in the polls? Let's ask this question How many people that are in the polls, meaning poll workers, poll watchers, poll counters, poll um, what, how many of them work for the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security, etc.? No one's even asking those kind of questions yet, are they, Chris?
2: No, no. And that was, of course, you know, that, you know, these works of darkness will be revealed, but it might be 20 years before we get to the bottom. So in the meantime, we, we do what we're doing. And we try to expose um, this fraud, you know, to the degree that we can. And I think when it's finally completely and totally exposed, we're going to find out that, that it wasn't as bad as we thought. It was 20 times worse, I'm afraid. But we do what we can do. But there are a couple of good guys in positions of power. Do you want to talk about um, Eric Schmidt and Jeff Landry, the two attorneys general from the state of Missouri? We'll
1: talk about that in just a minute. But I want to highlight, you know, there's articles now wondering, hey, what, what happens next to this election fraud discussion? Where do we go next, Chris? Any ideas on this? Well,
2: just write more letters to more senators and representatives and local legislators. I don't know. Um, you tell me, Sam. What do, we, what do we do? We hunkered. I mean, we talked about hunkering down.
1: Well, but. in my mind, look, until enough Americans push back, I don't think there's anything we can do. Chris, we have let the secret combinations in government get above us to where there's not really as far as i can tell a whole lot we can do at this point is there
2: no you're right but one thing we can do and we must do is we must continue to expose these secret works of darkness and because if we don't then their blood will be on our hands i'm talking about the blood of the innocents not the blood of the criminals um Yeah, we we need to continue. Just like the analogy that I've used over and over again, Sam, about if if I knew that there was a tsunami coming ashore and I didn't warn the people on the beach, then their destruction would be on my head. Whereas if I warned them and they didn't heed my warning and the same thing happened as if I didn't warn them, then their blood would be upon their head and my hands would be clean. So we need to continue to warn and, you know, to go to the highest levels. And we're going to talk about how uh, members of the early Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints did that. I don't mean to get too far ahead of schedule in the 1840s and the results of that. But we'll get to that um, in, in due time here. We need to continue to warn people, Sam. That, that's, that's all I'm saying. Otherwise, you know, we're derelict in our duty.
1: Yeah, when we come back, I want to talk about an article, or I should say an email, that I got from True the Vote on this very topic, okay? Hang tight. I'm Sam Bushman. Chris Carlson with me. Liberty, Roundtable Live.
0: Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
3: USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. Searchers in Ukraine are combing through rubble from a Russian blast looking for any survivors after one of the biggest attacks of the war yet. Emergency crews pulled the body of a toddler from the debris before dawn on Saturday. A Russian missile strike tore through an apartment building in central Ukraine, killing four people and wounding 13 Seventy-six missiles were fired Friday in the latest Russian attack targeting Ukraine's energy infrastructure. Russian forces have damaged power lines and houses. The Remain in Mexico policy is not going anywhere.
0: A federal judge's ruling won't let the Biden administration and former President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. The 2019 policy forces those seeking asylum in the U.S. to wait in Mexico until their cases are heard, including those who aren't from Mexico. I'm Dave Collins.
3: Gas prices have sunk to their lowest average in more than a year. AAA says the national average is $3.18, lower by $0.14 cents over the past week and the cheapest since September of 2021. Gas prices are averaging under 3 bucks a gallon in 19 states. Wreaths Across America is honoring the country's greatest heroes by laying wreaths at thousands of cemeteries in every state today.
2: We'll be placing 2,706,000 wreaths today, saying the names of, two, of that many uh, heroes. And, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful way for people to get in touch with their history
3: and, and uh, heritage and teach their children. Executive Director Karen Worcester tells Fox News her family has been doing this at Arlington National Cemetery every year since 1992. Wreaths are being placed at more than 3,700 cemeteries nationwide. Pope Francis honored those involved in charity work during a celebration of his 86th birthday today. There's a ceremony held at the Vatican. This is USA News.
4: So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people. It's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing, if you join MediShare Complete right now, They'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited-time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE, 833-34-BIBLE.
0: With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Chris, the reason I'm staying on this topic is I think there's a couple of things from True the Vote that I want to highlight uh, relating to this. By the way, that uh, column you talked about from Joel Skousen is called Election Donor Fraud Uncovered. Joel Skousen, worldaffairsbrief.com. But I also got an email from True the Vote, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, that I really think has relevance and um, can kind of set the stage for this. Here's the uh, topic of the True the Vote email that I received. Dear friends of ours, Greg and Catherine, they say this, keep the fight for election integrity going strong. At True the Vote, we hold one ideal as our true north. That is, we the people are more powerful than all of them. So I know the people aren't engaged, and so we're in a fix right now, Chris. I agree with that reality check. But I also know I'm making the same point that Catherine and Greg are making, which is if we the people choose to get engaged, we the people are more powerful than all of them. That is the true north we need to hang to. We need to also understand that if the people turn to God and repent, if we look at God, family, and country as the solutions, there's no stopping we the people. But True the Vote continues and finally or finishes by saying this. Our elections have been corrupted by a thousand cuts, and the path to righting these wrongs will be by a thousand measures rather than by a singular victory that, quote, fixes everything. But when we show up, when we stand up, when we speak up to expose the corruption, the exploitation of the holy process, Our actions will indeed drive change. And the reason I wanted to finish on that with this topic, Chris, is because it really, in my opinion, summarizes the solution and our responsibility as Americans, as voters, as patriots. You know what? We have an obligation individually and as families, which is the fundamental unit of society, for driving that change, for getting involved for realizing those actions, you know what? We're gonna right those wrongs by a thousand measures. We're not gonna do it all at once. We're not gonna do it by a singular act or a singular issue. We've got to have our actions create change. And I bring that up because I'll never give up hope when we the people can join together and can peacefully resolve these problems we face. Chris, this cannot be overlooked. I wanted to highlight that as well before we move on. Any thoughts? Yeah, so I believe
2: that there are more good people in this nation
1: than there are evil. I believe that the problem is
2: um, complacency on the part or, or lack of a sense of power. We feel as if we are outnumbered, we are outpowered. We're not outnumbered uh, in, in, in the claim of being outpowered, yes, because we don't have the ability to print money you know, to our heart's content but just keep on keeping on we know the end from the beginning we know that the good guys win in the end so the trick is to just you know keep up hope realize that in 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 the sense that eventually you know god's wrath will be felt upon the wicked and they will be overthrown and we will prevail how would you feel if you had given up you know like today and then 20 years from now finally you know the victory is won by the good guys but we were disengaged for the for the next 20 years. Um, so you just keep on keeping on. You don't worry. I mean, things aren't aren't so bad that you know we need to give up yet. Yeah, we still have access to our representatives. We can still write. I have um, you know my local representative. I talk to him on a regular basis, Sam, and he engages me in, in that conversation. So the the means to remedy are there. Yeah, you know, we just need to keep using them. Even though it feels at times that we're spinning our wheels, we need to just keep on keeping on, because of running the country into the ground.
1: But that's why it's so important never to get up, give up. It's so important to spend the time to highlight the solution. But what I didn't like a little bit about what we were talking about with Kerry Lake is there was no solution being discussed by us at liberty roundtable live and i always promise solutions on your radio so i wanted to kind of highlight and wait a little bit until we uh, you know finished by talking about the truth of vote solution because you know these guys went to jail for their beliefs these guys stand up boldly nobly uh and yep. we need to understand that even though they've done a lot of damage even though they've forced us to certify elections even though they're set to certify even though they're suing Kerry lake you now we need to understand that the that The truth is on our side, and uh, this election donor fraud uncovered is another layer of exposing corruption by Joel Skousen. This effort by Keep the Fight for Election Integrity Going Strong by Catherine and Greg, this idea that, hey, we can get involved, and we, you know what? Our greater numbers are the key. We need to never forget that, and then we need to basically educate our neighbor and those around us a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, even though it seems like we're so slow to come to the solutions. Um, you know, we are making progress, though, and I've seen more people come to the solutions uh, in the last five years than I have in the first 20-plus years I've been at this, Chris. So there is hope. There are good things happening. They just seem painfully slow. And it does feel like election fraud is death by a thousand cuts, so to speak. But the path to the righting the wrongs it's like slice-out-of-time politics is how they have destroyed America. We're going to fix it the same way. We're not going to fix it with a grandiose solution. I wish we could, I wish we would, but we're not. But exposing more corruption by the FBI, you know, we're just kind of in a phase. You know, you've got to expose all the corruption and discuss where we really are. And believe it or not, it feels worse when all these things are getting uncovered. Every time you turn around, there's new scandal, new fraud, new corruption uncovered. But it's kind of like repentance. You know, when the, when the, when the sin is not known, it feels okay, but it's not. When the sin's known, it feels like it's disaster, but it's not. You're actually on the road to repentance first it's got to be acknowledged and then it's got to be you know you got to right the wrong and make the change and we're in that process and the room gets messier before it gets cleaned up I could use several analogies to highlight the point so it feels worse now than it did 20 years ago maybe but I submit to you that it's not because in many ways we're on the road to recovery but the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security frequently met with social media companies ahead of the 2020 election. And they literally pointed out um, violations of free speech, remove what Sam said here, remove what so-and-so said there. And the FBI literally got caught now in court testimony. Chris?
2: They've got some pretty good excuses, and we'll get to those in a minute. But let me talk about an individual by the name of Alice Chan who is culpable for engaging in a lot of these uh, subversive activities with social media companies. And we know, we know for certain, you know, without any doubt, because um, Mark Zuckerberg told us that the FBI contacted um, Facebook. And, but he didn't. Uh, I'll give you the, the direct quote. We'll, we'll begin the discussion. He said, the FBI, if the FBI if they come to us and tell us we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously, unquote. And that's Mark Zuckerberg. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Joe Rogan on his show. You know, they didn't say the FBI came and asked us to violate um, our subscribers' First Amendment rights to free speech. No, they said we need to be on guard, Sam. So, so see, see how they, they parse their words to make it sound like they're protecting us rather than violating our rights? Anyway, going going back to the uh, main article, so there's a, a whistleblower, and, and he was in charge of – uh, he was in, in the FBI there's a department I'll see if I can find that uh, Cyber affairs, the FBI Cyber Affairs department, okay and also the Department of Homeland Security was involved with this as well. you know that great uh, Republican uh, created establishment back in the days of 911. So um, yeah, so he basically says that the FBI was actively meeting, with social media companies like facebook and twitter on and at first it was on a monthly basis it was on a quarterly basis then on a monthly basis then on a weekly basis as the election approached and specifically they were talking about the hunter biden laptop and talking about that it was quote um, a russian hack or russian disinformation and they use words like um, the fbi regularly engages with private sector entities to provide information specific to identified, listen to the, the wording here foreign malign influence actors, subversive, undeclared, covert, or criminal activities. Dun, dun, dun. So they, they specifically use these words to make it sound like they're really evil guys and we didn't need to take extraordinary measures, measures, including subverting free speech, which I don't believe you, could, you should ever resort to. We should never have to – and I know Donald Trump spoke to this a couple of weeks ago, which was very, very disappointing. I don't think we ever need to subvert constitutional principles in order to get to the bad guy, Sam, because then the people that are subverting those principles and those rights become the bad guys much more easily than they become our saviors.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Liberty Roundtable Live, the corruption continues to be exposed. We are on the road to recovery, even though it doesn't feel like it, huh? I'm Stan Bushman, Chris Carlson with me. This is Liberty Roundtable Live.
5: Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying, the lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
1: All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Chris Carlson. We're talking about the FBI and the corruption committed by the Department of Homeland Security. Remember, the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, was created by the Republicans as well, Chris. So let's not think this is a Democrat-Republican fight. This is deep state government run amok unconstitutional agencies drunk with power against we the people, sir
2: and we knew at the time when the department of homeland security was established you and i both knew that it was unconstitutional and that it would lead to nothing but trouble sam to our credit and i'm not trying to bolster uh, you and me i'm just trying to say these things are obviously violations of constitutional principles homeland security should be individuals for the most part you know that's why our founding fathers recognized our right to um, keep and bear arms I mean, the 99% of our nation's defense should be individual. We're going to talk about um, <clears throat> um, organized militias a little later, but, you know, that, that would be a big part of it. But all that's been taken away from us, and now the only people who can save us are these high salutin politicians and bureaucrats, primarily in Washington, D.C., now that are going to save us from these bad, evil Russian hackers, right? It's always Russia, Russia, <laughs> Russia. And there's no, this is no exception. You know, these FBI agents, when they talk to these, um, these social media platforms like Twitter and, and Facebook, you know, they always invoke Russia. Because I guess nowadays, whenever you uh, invoke the name of Russia or Vladimir Putin, you're supposed to just give up all of your rights. We have to do whatever it takes to facilitate uh, the subversion of these evil uh, international threats. And even if it requires that we uh, do away with our constitutional rights to free speech. Now, there is some good news in connection with this, of course, as I think we mentioned, there are two attorneys general, one from the state of Missouri by the name of Eric Smith, and one from the state of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, who are um, filing lawsuits against the FBI for these violations. Now, again... I'm not uh, Pollyannish about the results of these lawsuits. They will probably be dismissed on technicalities, or they will probably be postponed until doomsday. Or you know, you know the techniques that the courts use. You know, they always have excuses to to kick the can down the road, and that's probably what they'll do. They'll just probably postpone them. Say we need more time to gather evidence, and you know, then everybody forgets that those, those lawsuits were filed in the first place but i kind of want to go into some of the fbi's excuses for uh, justifying what they're doing with these uh, social media platforms um, the fbi and this is according to the epic times article by uh, peter Swab that this uh, discussion is based upon and the fbi defended itself by suggesting it was merely providing the companies with information about who's doing the talking on their platforms now, Sam, if the FBI shows up on your doorstep and you see, uh, you know, five guys in dark suits uh, with sidearms uh, and suggest that you do something, don't you think you would take it a little more seriously than if your neighbor just walked over and suggested you do the same thing? Well, that's so a question, to- but it depends on what
1: they suggest I do on on, on what my action would be. Yeah. All right, let me give you an example. If they come to my house and knock on my door and ask me to do something that I find inappropriate in any way, what I would simply do is I'd say, gentlemen, I'm sure you're uh, well aware. I'm sure you listen to my talk show. And if you don't, I would recommend you listen to it for a couple of weeks before we have another discussion. Uh, But if you have listened to my talk show and you're aware of it, what I'm proposing you do is come on the radio with me and discuss what you're proposing I do, and let's see what the audience has to say about it. Let's see what the nation has to say. Uh, And if they refuse, then I'd be ready to tell the story. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is I don't know if people understand this, but they believe being quiet will save them. It will not save them. All it will do is heap more trouble on their children. Okay, the only way we can stop these clowns, these criminals, these uh, power-hungry zealots for tyranny is to oppose them and to take our opposition public. We don't need to be belligerent. We don't need to be violent. I reject all that. Uh, We need to restore the Republic peacefully in the traditions of our founders. Okay, our founders were very peaceful people. And you say, what are you talking about, Sam? They were in the middle of a massive revolutionary war. You don't know what you're talking about, Sam. I I submit to you that you're wrong. I do know what I'm talking about. Yes, they eventually were forced to have a war because King George would not give up power willingly. But the truth is the founding fathers were a very peaceful lot. They were a very patient lot. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is go back to the Declaration of Independence. They were so fearful of being violent. They were so fearful of what they needed to do that they almost didn't do it. They debated it amongst themselves in private places. Then they eventually wrote the Declaration of Independence to say, do we, do we rise to the bar of the action we're about to take? Is this really necessary? And they wrote the chains of usurpations and abuses against them. They documented it before a candid world and said, look, this is why we must do something. Uh, and they brought that document forward as justification for the action they were about to take. They were working on this revolution. The revolution was set in the hearts and the minds of the people uh, over the last several decades before we, what we you know deemed to be considered the Revolutionary War days. The Revolutionary War in a a relative situation was pretty dang short. Several years was the war, right? Yeah, seven years. But they had been preparing themselves and dealing with these issues, wrestling with these complicated issues, and slowly but surely preparing the hearts and minds of the people for this eventuality, knowing that it was necessary, hesitant to take such actions, dedicated in their commitment But understand that the pulpits were aflame with righteousness, teaching the principles through the, I would would highlight the black-robed regiment. Okay, They were working on this well before what we determined the war to ever have started. This was not short in the making. And this was not taken lightly by the founding fathers. I want to make that very clear. Okay, they were peaceful people. I hope to say because of the sacrifice, the blood spilt, all that they gave, I hope that this time around, we don't have to have a war. I hope we can use the the foundation that they set, the checks and balances and the seeds of solution uh, available to us to avoid the conflict that will come again if we let history completely repeat itself. But we can be wise and let enough history repeat itself to say, let's not get into that fix once again. Let's find a better way and use the, the supreme law of the land and the checks and balances and all the blessed um, Principles they put in place to prevent war, but anyway, I, yes. I digress. Except that I really want to highlight the founding fathers were very peaceful people, Chris.
2: Yeah, they did not have encoded in law, for example, the Second Amendment, although they exercised it back then. Of our founding fathers, or the First Amendment, or the Fourth Amendment, we can go on. And which advantage we do have today, even though they are summarily ignored as we're witnessing on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, at least we have appeal to those written into our founding documents, which is which is good because, you know, to a degree, almost all, including some Democratic representatives, uh, at least give um, uh, lip service to those uh, recognized God-given rights. But to the FBI, they're, they're trying to wiggle out of this. They're trying to justify their actions based on the fact that um, they, they talk about this could this is a Russian hack and elite operation shortly before the election. Um, the FBI uh, also argued that the tech companies are censoring the content of their own accord. And here's another one that bugs the heck out of me, Sam. We've talked about this before. They claim that the tech companies are private. And I can prove to you that they are not because they were funded uh, in their inception. They were funded by an organization called inkytel inkytel is a capital funding mechanism whereby the fbi can fund organizations that they feel are beneficial to their agendas and facebook and twitter were part of that funding they got they literally received funding from you and me as taxpayers how can you tell me that they are private organizations they are not they are accountable to you and me because they've used our tax funds so you cannot use that excuse anymore, people. Well, and
1: this is an example where even the Department of Defense, what you've had, and this was um, really documented well by James, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name, last name? Anyway, he does a lot of videos and exposés and research on this stuff. He documented the, the U.S. military, the Department of Defense, Homeland Security, the FBI, CIA. It's really a continuation of Operation Mockingbird in yesteryear where they control the media. Uh, but in this case, they built the new media apparatus, uh, and they did so with basically money from government, general government on one hand, uh, local universities on the other hand. That's where the, quote, talent comes in. Uh, the control comes from the government, the military. The talent comes from the universities. And then these big corporations, um, they claim it's private. Well, it's all complete lies. It's not private. It was funded and created. Google was that way. Facebook, Twitter, all these companies uh, have have received tremendous support uh, through these mechanisms. And uh, James, uh, oh, what's O'Keefe. his name? O'Keefe? No, not no. O'Keefe. No, not very no, I'll possible. look okay. it up here. Uh, the something report is what James does. I kept the uh... Oh, the Corbett report. Yeah, yeah, James Corbett, the Corbett report. That's exactly what the I'm Corbett looking for. Part. Thank you. Uh, it has documented this more than anybody else in the country and done a phenomenal job yeah. in doing so. He's got documents and videos to back up the, the point and the claim. Uh, and evidence uh, dragging in Qtel uh, and others involved in this. So, anyway, th- this is nothing new. We've seen it. We expect it. The FBI and this is criminal. And they've been really literally in bed with Facebook and Twitter. And I'm just grateful for the Missouri and the Louisiana governors, uh, Landry and uh, what's the other guy's name, Landry and Schmidt?
2: Schmidt, Eric Schmidt, yeah.
1: Okay. For really digging on this and doing a great job of, if all 50, this is the point, again, about the people. If you had 50 governors doing this and 50 state attorney generals doing this and 50, you would get somewhere in a hurry, Chris. Um, But, you know, when you have two out of 50, what percent is that, 4 percent, Chris? Two out of 50, yeah, 4 percent. That was pretty quick. You've only got 4 percent digging on this, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why we know what we know so far for good for them. But we need a whole lot more if we want to get this solved. Before the end of the hour, I want you to comment on this, too, really quick, Chris. Um, Hundreds of Chinese-manufactured drones have been detected in restricted airspace over Washington, D.C. in recent months, affecting national security. And uh, they say it could be a new means for foreign espionage. And uh, they say that data that they've shared with Congress has already incurred over 100-plus incursions in a recent 45-day period. And then they say but the sources requested the detail of the numbers, et cetera, be kept quiet for security reasons, Chris. There you have (laughs) it.
2: Yeah, the security for the Chinese Communist Party, that's the security that they're serving that for. Yeah, well, and and you know, that's that what works. you really
1: got to wonder. And then the final story for the end of the hour, and I highlighted this story on uh, – I can't remember which show. I think Tuesday's show, Wednesday's show, legal team now warns government to not to launch new program spying on truckers. Truckers are the most regulated people in the country, but now – Uh, They want to spy on truckers and see exactly what every trucker is doing all the time. And if you're not very careful, this could be the bellwether for what happens to you and I. They'll eventually be monitoring all of us all the time. Chris, wrap it up, sir.
2: Yeah, well, you know, truckers tend to be conservative. I know quite a few of them,
1: and they are uh,
2: red, white, and blue-blooded patriotic Americans. So, yeah, we need to keep an eye on those guys, Sam. Now, come on. So... All right. Well, we'll continue into um, next hour. We'll talk about the Mormon Trail of Tears to be continued.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, our elections have been corrupted by a thousand cuts. And by a thousand measures, shall we find the solution? We, the people, are more powerful than all of they. We shall indeed make the difference. But you got to get involved, make it a great day, and choose the right, will you? Hour one on the can, hour two coming up. LibertyRoundtable.com LovingLiberty.net Donate liberally Would you please And we the people Along with the grace of the almighty We can and will restore America But you gotta get involved Make it a great day And choose the right Will you? God save the republic
0: Broadcasting live From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. show.
1: All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network's reviews to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for December the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country country and to do so on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America as our guide. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips? And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. You say, Sam, why do you stand for such peaceful stuff all the time? Well, let me just tell you, because I come from a long line of constitutional pioneers. That's why. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They nickname us the Mormons, but understand the name of our church is the Church of Jesus Christ. We follow Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. That's one of his names, right? Well, because of that, we've got the longest, richest, peaceful interactions with the United States government that we ever could have. You say, what are you talking about, Sam? Well, the government has never been peaceful. It's always out of control. But we, the people, have been incredibly peaceful, and we're going to prove it. Chris Carlson's with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yes, Sam. uh, Without God, we
2: cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir.
1: Some people say it can't happen here, but we are here to tell you that it can Happen here. We're talking about the Mormon Trail of Tears. You know, a lot of times we talk about the Native Americans, the Indians, who were abused in America, and it's true. And there are wrongs there that we ought not repeat, that's for sure. We don't want to bury or destroy that history, though. We want to keep that history alive to make sure we never repeat the negative reactions of the government to the Native Americans or the Indians. We also have a very difficult history for the blacks in America as well, and we don't want to look back at that. In any way except for to make sure we never repeat those abuses again but those are two people that have abused been abused very well known in America what about a group that's not so well known and the abuses that have been occurred against them most people don't realize how the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints nicknamed the Mormons were abused that's why they call it the Mormon trail of tears few people know the extraordinary persecutions that the early members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints endured at the hands of our government back in the 1840s is where the story starts. Chris? It actually yeah, and starts I before called, that, really. Oh, boy,
2: yeah. If you want to go into Missouri in the 1830s, yeah. I mean, there's so much material. We could literally go on for hours and hours and hours, but... Um,
1: you know, let me give wanted... you a 30-second summary before you get to the 1840s. You know, there was a man by the name of Joseph Smith, Jr. He lived in Palmyra, New York. Uh, and he uh, basically said he saw God, the Father, and his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and they, they call it the first vision. And he claimed that he saw those two celestial beings. And he was literally mocked, ridiculed. Uh, his life was threatened. Uh, he was unfairly treated for claiming such and he was led to say you know i don't know why people persecute me for saying this i did see it i know god knows it and i know it and i will not i cannot deny it Uh, and he was persecuted then but the persecution started out at least to some degree very small just verbally and ridiculing and mocking and uh, etc but the persecutions continued to get worse his life was under constant threat Uh, but as time went on it became persecutions of Anybody who identified with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church, in 1830 was the church named on April the 6th, but ever since then, persecutions increased, increased, increased until the final expelling of the saints via an extermination order. Chris, let's start there with the history in the 1840s, sir, in Nauvoo, uh, Illinois. Nauvoo means the city beautiful. So people understood uh, they had no place to go in the United States, so they were eventually given an incredible, worthless swampland that no one wanted, full of mosquitoes and malaria and all kind of things. And, well, they took it on the bend of the Mississippi River because that's all they could get. But they proceeded to do a marvelous work and a wonder, and they turned that swampland into what's called Nauvoo. Uh, That's a term that means the city beautiful. Chris?
2: Yeah, and uh, on that point, I would like to segue into a description from an outsider of that city that you are referring to, the city of Nauvoo, and people today don't even recognize it. But back then, if you were a resident of the state of Illinois, Sam, you would have recognized Nauvoo, Illinois in the 18, around 1843, 1844, by the time it had been built up, as the largest city in the state of Illinois. Chicago at that time had not yet become the the great metropolis that it, you know, would later become. So it was a very significant city, and it was inhabited primarily by the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, here's an outsider's description. So this isn't some biased member of the church trying to uh, propagandize the city for outsiders. This is an actual outsider who was not a member. He describes it as this. At length, the city burst upon my sight. Instead of seeing a few miserable log cabins and mud hovels, which I had expected to find, I was surprised to see one of the most romantic places that I had visited in the West. The buildings, though many of them were small and of wood, yet bore the marks of neatness which I have not seen equaled in this country. The fair spread plain at the bottom of the hill was dotted over with habitations of men with such majestic profusion that I was almost willing to believe myself mistaken, and instead of being in Nauvoo of Illinois among the Mormons, that I was in Italy at the city of Leghorn, which the city of Nauvoo resembles very much, unquote. Um, so you can see it was a city of beauty as the name. I think Nauvoo is a Hebrew word, if I'm not mistaking, like you said, means beautiful city. And the people there were just as beautiful, Sam. They were law-abiding. They were industrious. They kept uh, to themselves for the most part, and they did not molest or disturb anybody in the surrounding area. They were more than happy to live peaceably with the people who surrounded them. But unfortunately, the people who surrounded them could not leave them alone because their religion, as you pointed out, was a bit peculiar. And sometimes even Christians can persecute people based on that notion that they just don't quite fit into society the way they would feel comfortable about them fitting in. So there were some problems. Uh, The Mormons moved to Illinois because they literally, as you pointed out, Sam, they they got run out of the state of Missouri. There was literally an extermination order. And you mentioned that by Lilburn W. Boggs, the governor of that state that literally gave legal rights to the citizens of the state of Missouri to kill mormons in that state so obviously they couldn't live there anymore so they they came over they settled Hold on, in uh, to
1: exterminate men women and children on site and this is yeah. why i highlight that the abuses of the members of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints at that time in 1844 through 46 7 range uh, was the most abuse government has ever heaped upon a people. No people ever can say, hey, men, women, and children, extermination by a governor of a state. So a constitutional republic's, quote, king in this case, which I know that's a contradiction in terms, but he had no authority to do this, to create a a mandate such as this. This is why we reject mandates to this degree. There was no authority whatsoever, but Governor Boggs, nevertheless, you know, hey, gave a decree, gave an order, gave a mandate, which said, hey, exterminate them on site, not just the men, all men, women, and children. There's never been such an abuse carried out against the people uh, in America prior to this, to this degree, ever or since, Chris?
2: Uh, And let's hope not again, but I'm afraid the way things are going, we might see uh, similar atrocities in the very near future. But that extermination order, interestingly enough, Sam, was on the books until about 1975, 76, if I'm not mistaken. They finally, obviously it wasn't enforced because there were Mormons that had returned to live in the state of Missouri, um, you know, subsequent to that or, or before the exterminated, extermination order was repealed. But anyway, it was still in the books for quite a few years. So there was a, there was a doctrine. I want to talk about this doctrine uh, that was promoted by the Whig party in 1709. Uh, it is summed up in the Latin phrase, the vox populi is the vox day. Now that's Latin for the voice of the people is the voice of God. And this was generally accepted, even though people didn't, think that we had lived in a democracy back then. I mean, they were smart enough to know that we were living in a a republic. They literally believed that uh, the popular sentiment of an area should prevail. But unfortunately for the Mormons in this particular area in western Illinois, the vox populi, in other words, the voice of the people was decidedly against them, but not at first. Once they fled from Missouri, they were actually sympathized with In fact, the the, uh, city of – what's the city in in southern Illinois that my grandma was actually born just outside of it? Quincy, Quincy, Illinois. The people of Quincy, Illinois actually took the Mormons in around 1839 as they were being exterminated from the state of Missouri and fleeing for their lives. But that would soon change, and it wouldn't be until about um, 1844-ish that the people in in the state in general – began to become wary of the mormons because of their interesting practices they were building a temple uh in some cases not in very many they were practicing uh, uh a disagreeable practice called polygamy uh and their doctrine was strange and we'll continue on all on right the ladies the and
1: gentlemen especially their views on the godhead was very strange as well rather than believing in the trinity they believe that god the father his son jesus christ and the holy ghost are three separate beings Wow, that was heretic territory back then, wasn't it? Quick pause. Chris and Sam in seconds on your radio.
6: As a parent, is receiving a faith based, character focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center where heritage and responsibility instill character for over 40 years american heritage school has been educating both hearts and minds bringing out academic excellence this is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living god are fundamental where students national test scores average near the 90th percentile with american heritage school's advanced distance education program distance is no longer an issue With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org.
5: Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government.
1: Sam Bushman and Chris Carlson talking about the most abused people in the United States, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Eventually, the Latter-day Saints were driven out of the United States of America and forced to settle in what was known then as Mexico. Now we call it Utah. They were hunted like rabbits. They were destroyed. The women and children were raped and abused. They were denied their constitutional rights, ladies and gentlemen. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, there were a few defenders of the church along the way. There was a few people who were outsiders who were good, honest people. A letter to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints reveals the true character of Thomas Ford, who was actually a friend of the Mormons uh, along the way and documented this outside um, narrative that you speak of, Chris.
2: you want to go to that letter right now? So Thomas Ford um, was the governor of the state of Illinois, and I think Thomas Ford was a good man, I really do. But Thomas Ford, like a lot of the politicians that uh, we suffer under today, was a weak man, he had weak character, and decidedly the majority of the citizens of his state did not like the Mormons. So just like a a chameleon politician as he was, He conformed to the expectations of the majority of the people over whom he ruled, and he was very, very weak in that sense. So Thomas Ford, when things started to get – and the problem with Nauvoo, early early on it was a swamp like you pointed out, Sam, but the the Mormons were very industrious, very clever – uh, and very ingenious, and they drained that swamp, and they they, they established a civilization, but, you know, closer to 1844, the, the city had become so large that the surrounding people realized that this was a significant voting block, and they started to persecute the saints, especially the leader of the church at that time, who was also the mayor of the city of Nauvoo, Joseph Smith, who, you know, everybody's probably familiar with. So Joseph Smith, oh, I didn't, can we get to Thomas Ford a little later? Because I think the backstory is so important, Sam. Uh, Tell
1: Joseph- the backstory, Chris.
2: Okay, yeah, because I didn't know if you wanted me to go to the, the character of Thomas Ford yet or not, but we'll get there. So, so what? Ha- there was an incident. So in 1844, so the, the surrounding villages and towns be- began to become very suspicious and very nervous about the growth of the city of Nauvoo because, as I pointed out earlier, it was the largest city in the state um and their influence politically was be, starting to be, be felt and the people were getting very nervous about that so they began to persecute the saints and there was a a press inside the city of nauvoo an opposition press called the nauvoo expositor it didn't last very long in fact i only think it published one newspaper before the press literally got destroyed and it was the city council That ordered that the press be destroyed. And the city council, of course, as you can imagine, Sam, was dominated by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Now, that's kind of a bold thing to do, you know, in a constitutional republic to literally take a press, take it into the street, and destroy it. You know, that seems like a violation of uh, property rights. And it kind of was. And even today, you know, as I think about that, Sam, I wonder if uh, and by the way, Joseph Smith, as the mayor of the city was the one that ordered the city marshal to uh, do that, to destroy the uh, the press of the uh, Nauvoo expositor because of some slanderous and false and inflammatory things that it had published in its first printing. So that's very controversial. I will admit. Nevertheless, and notwithstanding, the mayor of the city, Joseph Smith, felt that that was necessary, and that was a common practice, by the way. It wasn't something that he just thought up of, you know, out of nothing. It was actually a common practice. It's kind of like parting and feathering a person, a politician that you don't like, you disagree with. It, it's kind of violent, but in a way, it's better than, you know, um, assassinating somebody. So because of that, there was a warrant issued for his arrest, and he was ordered to be removed to the county seat, which was Carthage, Illinois. Now, they've got a jail there. I visited it. Um, so he was he was about to uh, remove to the West when a lot of his friends and family members uh, felt that that was a cowardly act on his part, Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram Smith. And they were both leaders in the church and both leaders in the city. So they were, they were ordered uh, by their own people not only to, to return back to Nauvoo and not go to the West, uh, but they were also encouraged to um, answer the charges leveled against them uh, by the county, it was Hancock County where they lived, and that they would be removed to Carthage, Illinois. Now, Joseph Smith is not dumb. He knew removed to Carthage, that's a very hostile neighboring city that he would probably die, he would probably be murdered and um there's a quote where he he uh, petitions to the uh, i'm trying i'm looking for that quote sir i am informed from credible sources this is joseph smith appealing to the governor of the state of illinois thomas ford that he not be removed and tried in the city of Carthage, Illinois, because he knew that if he would be, he would probably be murdered because there was so much anti-Mormon sentiment against him there. But Thomas Ford, in his foolishness, as a a lot of politicians are, said, no, don't worry, I will protect you. Here's the letter that he wrote to Thomas Ford. Sir, I am informed from credible sources, as well as from the proceedings of a public meeting at Carthage, etc., as published in the Warsaw Signal, which was a newspaper, That an energetic attempt is being made by some of the citizens of this and the surrounding counties to drive and exterminate the saints by force of arms. And I sent this information to your excellency by special messenger and I ask at your hand immediately immediate counsel and protection. I wish urgently I wish urgently your excellency to come down in person with your staff and investigate the whole matter without delay and cause peace to be restored to the country. And I know not, but this will be the only means of stopping an effusion of blood. So he's basically appealing to the governor of the state of Illinois uh, that he not be removed from the protective uh, confines of Nauvoo, Illinois, to Carthage. But Governor Thomas Ford, of course, being a chameleon, like I explained earlier, and um, complying with the expectations of the majority rather than a persecuted minority, he insisted that Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram be removed to Carthage where he should have known there would be so many hostile uh, militia for it. members of the local militia called the Carthage Grays were there and and there were credible accounts of them saying that they wanted to kill Joseph Smith and his brother but and Thomas Ford knew about those claims he knew about the threats but he still indicted them to the city of Carthage to be tried for destroying the navu expositor and as joseph smith was leaving Nauvoo to go to carthage jail about this is three or four days previous to his death in carthage he said i'm going like a lamb to the slaughter but i am calm as a summer's morning i have a conscience void of offense towards god and toward all men i shall die innocent and it shall be said of me He was murdered in cold blood. And that's exactly what happened. And I don't want to go through too many of the details. Uh, They transported him to Carthage. He was um, under, he was there at the Carthage jail. They call it the Carthage jail, the Carthage prison. I've been there. Maybe you've been there. A lot of Latter-day Saints, uh, you know, go on a history tour back in there. In fact, Sam, I don't know if you know this. I was actually born and raised 90 miles north of this area. So I was born in on the Iowa side of the river. And uh, so I had an opportunity to to visit a lot of these sites and to just contemplate some of the events that transpired in the 1840s here. Um, But before he was martyred, Sam, he made this statement. I think this is important. So Joseph Smith, uh, you and I and other members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints regard Joseph Smith as a prophet, seer, and revelator. And as such, he has privy to information that other men do not have. Um, a few days before he was killed, he said, This, inasmuch as you and the people thirst for blood, I prophesy in the name of the Lord that you shall witness scenes of blood and sorrow to your entire satisfaction. Your soul shall be perfectly satiated with blood, and many of you who are now present shall have an opportunity to face the cannon's mouth from sources you think not of. And those people who desire this great evil upon me and my brethren shall be filled with sorrow because of the scenes of destruction and distress that await them. They shall seek for peace and not be able to find it. Now, this prophecy was actually fulfilled in the Civil War. Uh, did you want to make any comments before I talk about the Civil War and how that fulfilled that prophecy that Joseph Smith made?
1: Well, I, I want to talk about the character in this letter of Thomas Ford. Okay, let's go there. I know you there. mentioned kind of a summary of it, but, you know, it's, it's very difficult when we talk about politicians, when we talk about people. On one hand, his character was better than most, Chris. When we get back, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. Did he do the right thing all the way? No, I don't think so. But I would say... Um, you know what he put in writing is very interesting. Let's let's focus on that. We'll do it in seconds on your radio.
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
3: USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. More than 5 million people from New York to Maine are under winter weather alerts due to a nor'easter that has dropped more than a foot of snow across many parts of interior New England. Heavy snow is expected today across New York and New England, including parts of Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Officials have been warning of dangerous driving conditions. One of the strongest earthquakes to ever hit Texas rattled the western part of the Lone Star State last night. USGS says it had a magnitude of 5.4 and struck about 5.35 p.m., centered about 14 miles north northwest of Midland. The agency says more than 1,500 people reported feeling it over a large distance from Amarillo and Abilene, Texas, to as far west as Carlsbad, New Mexico. There were no immediate reports of damage or injuries. At least three people are dead after a fire early this morning in Pittsburgh. Officials say a woman is in serious condition. She and eight children were evacuated from the home when it caught fire early this morning. Rescue crews have pulled the body of a -a one-and-a-half-year-old child from the rubble in Ukraine after a Russian missile strike tore through an apartment building in what is said to be one of the worst attacks of the war so far. Ukrainian authorities say Russia fired 76 missiles. Authorities say the blast killed four people and injured 13. Elon Musk has reinstated the accounts of Twitter users who were suspended for allegedly doxing his location in real time. Epic Times reports at least nine journalists' accounts were suspended and at least eight have been reactivated. In college football, bowl action, Cincinnati taking on Louisville at this hour in the Fenway Bowl. Later on, it is number 14, Oregon State and Florida in the Las Vegas Bowl. This is USA News.
4: So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people... It's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, They'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited-time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE.
1: All right, back with you live. This letter from Thomas Ford is quite telling of a politician, Chris. Yeah, and I don't blame Thomas Ford
2: so much for his decision because I know that 99% of politicians today would probably make similar choices under the same circumstances. And a lot of people would just consider Thomas Ford a uh, practical or a pragmatic politician, which he was. But on the same token and i'll read this letter in just a second here based on this letter you can see that he was more of a go along to get along type of person and as a result he allowed the violations of literally thousands of people's rights and their rights to be trampled on so here's the letter that he wrote in in the midst of all of this persecution and uh, the indictment of joseph smith and his brother and their transportation to the city of carthage he said i wish To say to the Mormons for me, I wish uh, you to say to the Mormons for me, so this is written to Joseph Smith, the leadership of the church at that time, that I regret very much that so much excitement and hatred against them should exist in the public mind. Nevertheless, it is due to the truth to say that the public mind everywhere is so decidedly hostile to them that public opinion is not inclined to do them common justice. Every bad report against them is greedily swallowed. Well, if nothing can be heard in their favor. Under these circumstances, I fear that they will never be able to live in peace with their neighbors of Hancock and the surrounding counties. Now, I'm going to end, and I'm going to continue in a minute. I'm, he, it's obvious that he recognizes at this point that the constitutional rights of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are being violated,
1: to his credit. And, and he has the guts to put that stand in writing.
2: Okay, yes, and I give him full faith and credit in, in that. Now, he goes on to say there's no legal power in the state to compel them to leave, and that I give him credit for. In other words, we can't force you guys to, to leave. I can't force you. I have no exec- There's no power in the executive office to do that, and no such power will be exercised during my administration. But I desire that you will impress these facts upon the Mormons, that they – Uh, and that you will counsel and promote peaceful means of accommodation whereby the Mormons may be induced to leave the state. In other words, I can't force you out, but maybe it's a good idea that you just get out of here because I am not prepared. I do not have the character. I do not have the dignity. I do not have the righteousness to stand up for your cause, even though your cause is 1,000% just. And that's where I would disagree
1: with with you slightly. I think what he's saying is Mm -hmm. I don't have the power to go against the will of the people in this matter. And so I'm telling you for your safety, you should leave. I can't force you to. I'm standing up and stating that you're right on the points, but I'm telling you that I don't have the power to stop what the people will do to you. And so is it that he didn't have the guts or is it that he just felt? like he had to highlight the truth for them i can't judge his heart and i don't know chris
2: okay well see there's an opportunity cost here you know what that means right so he absolutely he could have said said a number of different things he said what he said because he felt that that was pragmatic and you know maybe i would have folded under the pressure too as an or he felt
1: like he could do nothing about it and he couldn't stop it
2: but and and maybe that was the most peaceful way out of this situation and it probably was position what I would have done was, what I would have said hey I don't care how small of a minority you are I don't care how weird your practices are or how negative the sentiments of surrounding people are against you I have a constitutional obligation to protect your constitutional rights and you have just as much right to be in the state as anybody else and I'm going to fight to the death your right to remain here don't you think yeah. that, that would have been the more noble way Well, I think,
1: I think that would have been a great thing to say and do. Uh, and I'm not saying that somebody couldn't go further. And I'll give you an example of a gentleman who went much further, who had a much stronger character in seconds. What I'm merely trying to do, though, is say, hey, this guy put in writing that he knew that the, that the Mormons were correct. He put in writing that, you know, it, but then he basically said, hey, you know what? The most peaceful way out of this is for you guys just to leave. I really think you probably are going to have to. Now... Let me give you another example. I went to um, Indiana, and I went to Gary, Indiana. And me and my buddy went. We were just two white guys, and it was, it was about nightfall right when we entered the town. We were kind of ignorant years and years ago, and we felt like, hey, this is really cool. This town's in the movies. Let's check this out. When we got there, we went to McDonald's, and all these people are laughing at us going, you guys ought to get out of here, man. We're like, what are you talking about? Anyway, eventually the mayor literally came over. Whoa. He was the mayor of Gary, Indiana. Wow. And he basically said, listen, I think you guys need to leave. Um, he Whoa. said, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be offensive. I just know that you are not safe here. Two white guys in this town, Gary, Indiana is a pretty wild place. They call it the capital of the uh, murder capital of the world from time to time. Uh, and and wow. so he said, I'm not trying to be rude to you guys, but I, I really want you to be safe. I'm not saying this to be offensive. I'm saying this for your protection. I think you guys really should leave as soon as you possibly can. And we were shocked. When we eventually left and everything else. But I'm just giving you, now, Was that guy of weak character? should he have just said, hey, I stand and I'll defend you? At what point can an individual, no matter where their election, uh, no matter what authority they have by election, the power in America, in any elected office, comes from the people? And if you know the people won't stand with you, you only have so much power as an elected official, right? So that's interesting. Do you have, do you have more on this letter? And then I'll give you a contrast, <laughs> gentlemen, who stood up. Uh, in my opinion, the best of anyone who could.
2: Uh, No, that's about the end of it. He says a few more words,
1: but... So we compare this guy, uh, Thomas Ford, and, uh, you know, we we get an an idea of his character, and I give him more stand-up than most people do. He put in writing, which could have got him in a lot of, you know, uh, in modern day, he'd be shut off Twitter for it, right? But in in comparison to that gentleman is a man who has, in, in my opinion, much superior character. And that is Alexander Donovan. Now, Alexander Donovan was not a Mormon, but he defended the saints, and he was ordered to murder Joseph Smith, to assassinate him. And he absolutely refused, and his nickname now is Courageous and Defender of the Mormon Saints. And this guy was a stand-up guy all along, boldly, nobly, independently, even to the point of being court-martialed for his stand. But he said, I will not kill an innocent man. I will not do it. I don't care what you do to me. I won't do it. Now, there is a stand-up guy, Alexander Donovan, a huge American hero, not because he agreed with the Mormon's beliefs. That wasn't it. It's just that he, along with Thomas Ford, understood that their cause was just. And that led President Van Buren, President of the United States at the time, to his reply, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so Joseph Smith, with an entourage of uh,
2: leadership of the church, he went up to Washington, D.C. Now, this was uh, during the peaceful times in uh, Nauvoo, because for the first three or four years that the saints uh, lived in Nauvoo, Illinois, things were pretty peaceful. In fact, the people were welcoming. They they sympathized with their plight in the state of Missouri. So Joseph Smith had an opportunity to visit Washington, D.C., and to appeal, because they had lost millions of dollars in property and uh, i'm looking at that as wrong as committed so they they appealed their cause to the federal government because obviously the state of missouri wasn't going to give them um any recognition as to the loss of their property etc um i've got it right here well, I can't find it, but keep talking and I'll find it. So
1: President to... Van Buren had an infamous reply as they went to the general government asking for a redress of grievance. They couldn't get it from the state of Illinois. They couldn't get it from the state of Missouri. And he said this, quote, gentlemen, your cause is just, yes. but I can do nothing for you. There was a cold feeling and manager er, and way he was treated by most of the senators. Two senators spoke out. Henry Clay saying, you had better go to Oregon. Now, is Henry Clay just acknowledging the same thing as Thomas Ford, realizing there's nothing they can do? Well, even John C. Calhoun saying this, same similar phrase, which is, it's a nice question, a critical question, but it will not do to agitate it. In other words, they knew the people were not with them. Were they wimps? I don't know, it's hard to say. They certainly weren't an Alexander Donovan, I'll tell you that right now. But they certainly acknowledged to some degree the truth, your cause is just. You know what, you're right about this. Um, It's a nice question, a critical question, but we shouldn't agitate it. He's admitting the question is valid. Your points are valid, but I can't do anything about this. Now I'm not so sure if it demonstrates weak character or an acknowledgement of the truth, Nevertheless, the extermination order was put in place. The saints were literally kicked out. Eventually, the Latter-day Saints were driven out of the United States of America entirely and settled in what then was known as Mexico. Now, it's the great state of Utah. They were hunted like rabbits, had their property destroyed, and were denied their constitutional rights. They did avoid the abomination of desolation, which always accompanies such abuses, uh, in this case, let's skip the break real quick. Uh, but, Chris, they, <laughs> this is serious to understand, though. We avoided a calamity over this. Yes. No, th- your and point the is well taken, we, Sam. The reason we avoided this calamity, in part, is because, in my opinion, I think some of these politicians realize your cause is just, but I can do nothing for you. Instead of just persecuting the saints further, they at least stood up to some degree and admitted the truth. And that's a a valid point saying, look, I would love to do something for you, but I can't. I just, you know what? My authority in office, I don't have the power. The people are not behind me or with me at all. And that's why politicians are so squirrely oftentimes is they realize they have authority. They also realize they do or don't have power based on what causes they choose to lead. And I think it's really, really, really important to understand that. Now, as the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were fleeing to Mexico at the time, Uh, and then created a territory known as Deseret, and eventually, which became the state of Utah. Uh, As they were leaving, they were poor, they were destitute, they had nothing. The Mormons came after them and said, hey, we want you to help us in the Mexican war. And at first, a lot of the saints were saying, you are psychotic, you're crazy, you just kicked us out of your country, (laughs) threatening, you know, raping our women, threatening um, extermination of men, women, and children, and now you want us to go help you in a war? But believe it or not the peaceful leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints eventually prevailed on the Saints to forgive and they did take part in the Mexican War they didn't have to fight but they marched all the way from the plains to California ended up in San Diego and eventually most of them made their way back to the great state of Utah there's actually a monument uh in uh, in um, San Diego California to that incredible uh, march the Mexican War march if you will that the members of the Church of Jesus Christ Christ of Latter-day Saints took. They actually left many of their wives and children alone on the trail so they could march for the United States government. They did it for many, many reasons. Part of it was money to help their families get across the plains and settle in Utah. Part of it was to try to forgive. Part of it was to show allegiance to the United States government who treated them very poorly. Uh, But nevertheless, that took place. They were eventually kicked out. And, folks, we need to really highlight this. On June twenty-fifth, this is nineteen seventy-six now, and so this is in our lifetimes, June twenty-fifth, nineteen seventy-six, Governor Kit Bond issued an executive order rescinding the extermination order, recognizing its quote, legal invalidity, and formally apologizing on the state on, on behalf of the state and the Missourians for the way that the members of the Church of Jesus Christ were treated. Literally 100 plus years earlier. We, okay, so, uh, you know, good on Missouri for doing that. I think that goes a long way to acknowledging the truth uh, and uh, rescinding that order. And I think it puts the Mormons in history as the most persecuted uh, and most prosecuted people uh, ever in the United States. But understand this, though, nations don't get away with this kind of stuff. These kind of abuses are not looked on lightly by God, Chris.
2: No, sir, they do not. And, and I've heard it said, and um, I tend to believe that because uh, nations are not judged in the eternal world, they are actually judged and meted out their punishment in this uh, mortal sphere of existence. And um, it's pretty much agreed amongst members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints today that the Civil War was actually a punishment on a nation that turned its back on God's people, or at least a percentage of them. the the members of the church, the Mormons. And I believe that that's true. In fact, there is an account specifically of the uh, Illinois 1st and 2nd Battalions. They fought in a war in the the Mexican-American War, which was very shortly after the the Mormons were um, expelled from the state of Illinois, that uh, I believe is a fulfillment of that prophecy that I I read earlier about Joseph Smith saying, you will uh, get your fill of blood. And um, basically, so a, a lot of uh, states uh, sent uh, militia regiments to Mexico to fight in the, the Mexican-American War. And uh, two of those were from the state of Illinois, and they were from the, the general vicinity where there were so many hostilities against the Mormon and lit- Mormons and literally where they burned down houses and uh, they burned uh, gr- stacks of grain and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to give you a short account of this war and uh, how an eyewitness describes how the first and second Illinois regiments who would have been, literally there would have been people who participated in the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith in this regiment. And there's, here's how it went down, down in um, Mexico. General Santa Anna confronted General Taylor's little army of less than 5,000 men. So that would include the two um, Illinois regiments. With a force popularly held to be 20,000, so it was four to one, Sam, as far as the numbers of soldiers were, were concerned. Down there were our poor fellows, nearly three regiments of them, and there was like a Kentucky regiment as well, with but little opportunity to load or fire a gun, being hardly able to keep their feet. Above the whole edge of the gorge, all the way around, was darkened by the serried masses of the enemy and was bristling with muskets directed on the crowd beneath. It was no time to pause. Those who were not immediately shot down rushed on toward the road, their number growing less and less as they went. Kentuckians and Illinoisans, officers and men, all mixed up in confusion, all pressing on over the loose pebbles and rolling stones of those shelving precipitous banks and having lines and lines of enemy firing down from each side and rear as they went. I believe that's a fulfillment of the prophecy that Joseph Smith made about that they will see blood to their fulfillment as a punishment for not only killing two innocent people, but all the destruction and, and some other men and women and children were were, were, were killed in, in some of the incidences. Uh, but those hostilities do not go unnoticed by God, you know we
1: cannot well, and this goes completely opposite from the seventeen you know fifties sixties seventies eighties, nineties, the founding of our nation, which was you know what we need to protect religion and beliefs, whether they agree with the king or they agree with the government or they agree with your neighbor or not, We need to protect those religious beliefs as long as they're not violating the law as long as they're not doing something that can cause uh, harm to others and this is where a short what i'm going to say 60 70 years later because we're now into the 1840s as opposed to the 1760s you know 1770s 100 years later whatever you want to call it 80 70 60 years later um yeah. we've gone opposite and contrary to what uh, we intended so 100 years later in the 1860s as opposed to the 1760s, uh, now the nation has to pay for the abuses. They turned on the covenant with God uh, that preceded the nation's founding, if you will. Uh, and and so that's what we're saying, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't believe it was only the uh, actions to the Mormons. It was an action to the Indians, uh, the Native Americans. It was in response to the way the blacks were treated in slavery. Yes. Uh, it was. Yes. But it was primarily the wickedness of the people. There wasn't one singular cause. Let's be very clear. These are just some of the abuses that the nation was engaged in at the time uh, that really precipitated uh, this penalty that we paid. Well, we find ourselves in a very similar situation today. Chris. We do. We
2: do. Let's talk about that. Um, We we, we really do. And I think the target is not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints so much as it is Christianity in general. Um, so eventually the Latter-day Saints were driven out of the United States, as we talked about, and they went to Mexico, where they were spared, by the way, the ravishes of the Civil War, which I choose to call the War of Northern Aggression, and I'm sure James Edwards would agree 100% with me, because that's exactly uh, what And it I was. would agree as well. But, I'm sorry, we, I kind of get off on tangents here. Um, today we find ourselves in a similar situation, as you, as you segued into Sam, the scales of justice are in serious state of imbalance when they will be set back into balance i cannot tell you but that they will be set back into balance is beyond doubt what side of the ledger we will find ourselves on is entirely up to us as individuals i as uncle ted nugent is fond of saying would hope to be found in the asset asset column and i think what we're doing on the radio every week and you know talking to friends family and communicating with local politicians i think that's Hopefully putting us both – I know you've been in the asset column um, a lot longer than I have, but um, I hope that puts us in a pretty good situation because we are being weighed in the balance. Uh, It is my hope and prayer that we would all repent and do what we can to restore the God-ordained constitutional foundation of this country to its rightful position – Right under our feet so that we will not have to repeat history and incur the same fate that those wicked early inhabitants of this continent were condemned to suffer in both time and in eternity. Um, I really believe that in history, you know, people say, well, it may not repeat itself, but it sure rhymes. <laughs> and that's a good analogy. Because we're seeing some of the same devices being used against us, but I think it's a lot more cleverly disguised today than it was back then. I mean, they don't they don't approach us uh, from a frontal approach. Uh, they always go around. That's always, you know, uh, in, like the abortion issue, for example. I mean, look at the genocide that's been perpetrated on the unborn over the last 50 years. Yet they, they couch it in words that it's, it's um, your right, you know, women's right to privacy. So it has been more cleverly disguised. And I think through the vaccination campaign that we were subject to for the last two years, that's another way that they have been able to more cleverly disguise their desire to literally destroy us from the face of the earth.
1: Well, and the transgender issue is another one, literally perverting science, the global warming or global climate change idea, acting like humans, God's crown jewel on the earth created in his his image, somehow at Mm -hmm. odds with the earth that God created for our uh, place to inhabit. Uh, You know, all these things are an assault against God, putting the scales way, way, way out of balance. And we need to really realize, ladies and gentlemen, it's what side of the ledger we're going to find ourselves on. That's entirely up to us as individuals. You know, uh, and Ted Nugent is fond of saying, as you mentioned, I repeat this phrase, what side of the ledger will we find ourselves on that you just made, Chris? On purpose because I want people to know that's really where the rubber meets the road you may not have control of what the nation does or the globe you know global elites do but you can decide which side of the ledger you are on and what you're gonna do you could be on the side that is our hope and prayer that we repent that we turn to God that we avoid these calamities We're promised in the Bible if we repent and turn to God he'll heal us and protect us okay we, we still have time We still have the greatest country on the face of the earth. We still have the blueprint for liberty and the seeds within that document, the supreme law of the land with checks and balances to chain down out-of-control bureaucrats and to have the will of we, the people, uh, become the order of the day. If you go back to Jonah, uh, who was, um, you know, preaching to Nineveh, they repented, a very, very wicked nation. Jonah was fearful to go there because of their wickedness. But you know what? At the end of the day, (laughs) they repented and quickly did they the point where Jonah was dismayed and kind of angry at the Lord going, what? Where's the punishment? <laughs> well, we need to not be seeking for punishment. It reminds me of siblings. You know, get get so-and-so brother or sister in trouble. You know, hey, they should be grounded. They should have this, that. Why do we want to get people in trouble? I don't. I want us to yeah. humble ourselves and repent and be on the right side of history. I want us to be leaders in finding peaceful solutions to the problems we face this day. Because I, for one, follow the Prince of Peace. You know, many say that members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are not Christian. I hope that my Christian behavior, attitudes, delivery, examples, solutions, I hope that all that I do puts beyond debate that I'm a true Christian, that I believe in Christ, that I know he lives and that he loves us, and I know the way out of the problems that we face, even though it seems overwhelming, overwhelming completely daunting, unsolvable. Uh, it isn't. We can follow the Prince of Peace, and we can have peace. And so, to me, the biggest point of the end of this discussion has to do with what side of the ledger are we on? What will we do with our time, with our talents, with our energies, with our finances, with our – and I hope you know where I stand and what I will do. I've been on the radio more than 25 years doing my best. Am I far from perfect? No. Am I setting myself up an an example? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. What I am trying to do is do my part for my children and my grandchildren. And when I am at the judgment bar of Christ, I hope to stand with my skirts clean to say, I've done the very best that I can, Lord, uh, to preserve this nation. Because I believe this nation shall endure. Uh, That's a book written by the former Secretary of Agriculture, Ezra Tapp Benton. He wrote a book called This Nation Shall Endure. I believe that viewpoint, Chris.
2: Yeah, and uh, former president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, a very wise individual at that. And um, I would like to add, you know, we do need to be found on that side of the ledger, but that metric that determines whether or not we are firmly on that side is relative. And what I mean by that, Sam, is, for example, you and I, we have so much more knowledge that has been gifted us, you know, through our relationship with our Heavenly Father. The expectations for us will be much greater than somebody who does not have that knowledge. So don't think that, you know, just because we're just a little bit better than our neighbors that, you know, we're going to be... Um, off the hook. No, with great knowledge and with great uh, blessings come great responsibility. We need to understand that. So the more we know, the more, the greater our responsibility uh, to become more active in the restoration of those principles.
1: And I'm certainly not greater than my neighbor. I hope they know that I'm grateful for them and I know them and I appreciate them and I'm grateful to live amongst them. And I hope to be the servant of all my neighbors and do the very best that I can to to follow the Lord and to truly be congruent in my behaviors, thoughts, and actions. And that's why this is Solutions Radio. I hope we're steady, that we're true, that we provide guidance and support, and love and friendship and clarity in terms of solutions for all our listeners and beyond. Chris Carlson, finish up, buddy.
2: Without God, we cannot win, Sam. Without God, we cannot lose. The poor freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and we'll see loving patriots everywhere. Continuing our duty, sir.
1: LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Our websites donate liberally. Every penny will help us grow and spread the message of love, leadership, and solutions on your radio. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.